is Douglas Jackson, and I've just placed a call to Dolores Best, the proprietor of Book No Further, uh, down on Roanoke's historic city market. Good afternoon, Dolores. Hi, Doug. How's it going? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing well. Um, thanks for spending a little time with me today and, and catching up since our last conversation. Um, and of course, we're in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, crisis, and you've changed the way you do business. Yes, we have. We um, Last Saturday, um, we I guess that was the 22nd, we closed the store and started doing all our business through the internet um, and delivery and mail. And how's that, how's that working? It's working pretty good. Uh, we have a, generally a steady flow of business on our website, but this has really picked up. It's probably four or five times what we used to have. And do you get a sense that that's um, mostly local traffic, people who are used to coming into your store and want to keep supporting you during this time? It's, a, it's, it's actually been a good mixture of regular customers as well as people that I'm not sure how they know about our business. Uh, we've had people wanting us to ship books to uh, other parts of Virginia and one in Atlanta. So that was pretty nice. Oh, great. Yeah. And I remember when all this first started, you seem to be kind of ahead of this as as far as the, the local businesses um, are concerned. What were your first um, steps when you saw this was coming? Well, we've always offered curbside pickup and uh, delivery on a kind of informal basis. So this was uh, a natural thing for us to do for people. We were having some calls from people who were already self-isolating at home and uh, were asking for some services. So we just made that available to everybody and did some promotions on it. And people are responding pretty well to it. Are you getting some big smiles when you when you deliver or they pick up? Oh, yeah. Um, we're trying to do it in a safe manner. I generally set the books by the door, ring the doorbell, and step back. So we're keeping a social distance. And people are always always glad to get a new book. Yeah, yeah, great. I I bet people are pretty happy to see you if they're kind of hunkering down inside as well. Yeah, they are, and I'm seeing evidence of yesterday I went by a house and there was all kinds of weeds pulled and piled in the side of the yard, so they're staying busy. Oh, I need to I need, I need to take their take their lead. Yeah. Well, for folks listening, what are the number one things you think people can do right now to support local businesses? Well, continue to purchase things online or in the case of restaurants, you know, of getting takeout and stuff is really important. We did have to uh, temporarily um, let our one part-time person go until further notice until we're back in the store. Hopefully that won't be too long. Uh, Another thing people are doing is purchasing gift cards. Perhaps you don't need to, you know, to have dinner out or a book right now, but you can purchase a gift card and then get that book later on. But it uh, enables small businesses to have the cash flow that's going to be really important, especially at the first of the month when bills and rent and such comes due. Yeah. Now, uh, I know your website is booknofurther.com. Is that all anyone needs to know to get online and order from you? That's all. They'll see um, the pretty standard uh, search box and uh, checkout cart on the right side of the page and you can just go in and search for books by name, author, ISBN number, whatever information you have and um, go from there. And of course, if anybody has any problems, there's a way to 
send us a message through there and we'll help them figure out what they need. Sounds like a piece of cake. Sounds good. Uh, when with that recommendation of how to order, uh, now we'll step back and uh, a couple of weeks and we're going to hear a conversation with Dolores on some of what you can order. Uh, and Dolores spent some time with me there um, in her shop and we spent some time looking at uh, books that are out now and her path as a as an entrepreneur um, and changing careers and uh, transforming uh, into a, a local proprietor of a local bookstore. And, and Dolores, any, any thoughts before we step into that conversation? No, I just hope everybody stays safe and remember that books are a great comfort at this time. I agree. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Let me remind you that Book City Roanoke is an exploration of our things literary in Roanoke, Virginia. And we've got a website, bookcityroanoke.com. I should mention that we're on location today at Book No Further down on Roanoke's historic city market. And with that, let's dive into it. Tell me how you came to be a proprietor of a local bookstore. Well, unlike a lot of bookstore owners, this was not my long-term dream. My real long-term dream was to go into business. And when I came to an opportunity to start looking at that, I started to think about what kind of business I would like to be in, uh, what would I be comfortable selling, or what would I be comfortable pursuing. And my first and always love has been books. So it was kind of a natural progression. So tell me... um some of the other things you've done in your career? Well, I've had kind of a circuit. I've had a roundabout (laughs) career. Uh, My degree is in journalism from Radford University, and I first went into newspapers, uh, then moved to public relations and magazines. Eventually went into marketing communications and marketing for a couple of large companies, one Fortune 200 company, and then uh, got into nonprofit management. Uh, with nonprofit management, I stayed in that for about 12, 15 years, and the last place being the Body Taught Chamber of Commerce. And I saw there the way a lot of people ran businesses and, for the most part, enjoyed running their business. And that really got me, uh, my imagination uh, was piqued with that and decided that when I had the next opportunity, I'd look into doing that. That sounds like a lot of uh, diverse experiences that you probably draw on every day. I do, especially the marketing. There's nothing more important to a small business than marketing. So the things I've learned along the way, everything from graphic design to uh, outreach to the media to websites, all of that is really important to what you have to do to keep a retail business running. Yeah. And what have you... Well... Let's first talk about a typical day. What's it like for you in the store? Well, uh, with retail, you have to kind of adjust on the fly depending on who comes in. If you're having a slow day, you may get a lot of office kind of work done. If you have a busy day, you may spend most of your day talking to customers about books, which is a good thing. That's not a kind of interruption that you really mind. Um, Because we're a small organization, it's just myself, uh, my husband, Craig Coker, as the accountant, and I have one part-time employee, Suede Best. I do all the ordering for the company, 
Uh, that's primarily in the early part of the week. We special order, we track down books. You have to continually replenish your inventory. You have to keep up with the latest books that are out there. You have to make some guesses as to what people want to read. So that is kind of the office side of it to keep that going. And then on a typical day, more toward the end of the week, especially on Saturdays, we spend a lot of time talking to customers about what kind of books they like, what they're looking for. Um, and, um, try to get in their hand, the kind of book we think they'd enjoy. And what kind of books do Roanokers or visitors down on the market enjoy? You know, there's, there's kind of two primary groups. The one that surprised us a little bit by the volume and also by the interest level. So we have an incredible number of people who are visiting Roanoke. Uh, yes, as a end destination, not just passing through, but they've come to Roanoke and they want books about the local area or books by local people. And Appalachian books are a major, major sell for us. All kinds of Appalachian book fictions and nonfiction. Now, is, is that largely people who are living in Appalachia and passionate about it or people um, just like starting to understand the region they live in or? It's actually some of both. We get visitors from all over the country and all over the world. Just last week I had a woman who was interested in learning more about Appalachia. She was living in, she was living in Germany. Uh, she was originally from France and spent a lot of her life living in Amsterdam. And she was interested in just learning, you know, what is Appalachia? Where is it? Some people don't realize that Roanoke's setting smack dab in the middle of Appalachia. So we have some favorites that we give to people. One of our favorites right now is What You're Getting Wrong About Appalachia. It's by Elizabeth Catt. And it really gives a good background on how the whole stereotype of Appalachia got started, why people think some of the things they do, and some reality checks on just how diverse Appalachia is. Yeah, that's I, I read that and, and enjoyed it. And I, I'm also a big fan of the format of that book. It just feels good in your hand. Well, from a marketing standpoint, it's a great product. It's a small book, uh, very accessible. It's affordable. And I've seen that that's the kind of book that makes, for those people, a good souvenir book. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people are looking for, is something that ties back to the Appalachian reason, region as their souvenir. Yeah. Now, I imagine, well, you've been in business since 2017, the fall of 2017. Yeah, about two and a half years, yeah. Congratulations. Well, when you hear a lot of businesses fail in their first one or two years, then we felt good passing that two-year mark. And I remember hearing, I think, Christine Patrick up in Winchester told me that you were thinking about opening a bookstore in Roanoke. She said, and she gave me, she gave me your name. She wrote it down for me. So I know you did a lot of research before you, before you opened a store. Tell me a little bit about that process. We did a lot of research. Uh, My husband is an engineer and has helped people do a number of businesses. So we did the traditional route of developing a business plan. We did the research starting from visiting bookstores, probably 20, 25 stores, up and down the East Coast and in Denver, because I had a trip to Denver. We visited um, well-known bookstores in Denver and Boulder. And everything from a lady who had a mom-and-pop kind of place in a little brick uh, house, and it was her fanny pack was her 
cash register. She had her inventory on yellow legal pads all the way up to, believe it or not, I did visit a brand new Amazon store in New York City. And so that was the gamut of what we visited. And what we did at those spots is we asked questions of everybody, including what was your wish list? What do you wish you'd known going into this? And we had lots and lots of good advice. What's some of the advice that you that you got? Um, probably the most consistent one is when we asked people, how did you pick your inventory? Everybody had the same answer. It depends. And it depends on who your community is. And you start picking up on that pretty quickly. Probably the most practical advice is people said that when you have a policy or a program that you're working with the public, write it down and give it to people in writing. So when people want to come in and trade books, we have a brochure that they get that explains how the program works. We have, you know, paperwork for um, authors that want to bring their books in. That's made a big difference. Let's talk about that a little bit because you have a, a pretty robust uh, list and, and shelf of local authors that you support. You do readings with local authors. Um, is that, how did that become important to you? Was it something you were thinking about from, from the very get-go? That was also came out of our research. We found that bookstores have to have be a little more than just selling books in the store. You have to really focus in on your community. You have to have multiple lines of revenue. And one of the things that we wanted to focus on is the talent that we have in the Roanoke and New River Valleys. We have a lot of nationally published authors. Of course, everybody knows Beth Macy. But we have other prolific people, too. Uh, Roland Lazenby has done tons of books in sports, including one that he did a number of years ago on now the late Kobe Bryant. Uh, he's done one on Michael Jordan. Uh, Mary Bishop, that many people know from the Roanoke Times, did a wonderful memoir on her family and her uh, long-lost brother. So we have a lot of um, talent even among people who have self-published. That's always something that people talk about. Uh, years ago, it had such a stigma. And now we have people who have taken self-publishing very seriously and have looked into all the tasks that have to be done and have pr pr um, produced some incredible works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the, the community of people who attend um, when you do an author event, I, I noticed some of the same people who who. who come to your events um, and then new faces. And how do you describe the, the people who, who come to the store? Uh, you know, it's been a big variety. We've had, um, depending on the author, of course, we have everything from little kids to adults to family members. A few times we've had authors who have local ties but live elsewhere now. Well, it seemed like a family reunion when they got here. And that's wonderful. It's a lot of energy. Uh, we've also had... Um, people who have real interest in a particular subject. This past weekend, we had a gentleman who wrote the book, uh, Brooklyn to Baghdad, who's a former New York City uh, policeman who lives here now and had worked in interrogations in the Middle East. And we had the mother of a Marine who is now in the Middle East. So that, you know, she may not have come to anything before, but that's a that was of particular interest to her. And then we have our regulars who just like to come to anything literary. Well, let me uh, pause for a second and just remind folks that we are at Book No Further uh, downtown on Roanoke's historic city market, and we're talking with proprietor Dolores Vest. And uh, Book No Further 
uh, is the founding sponsor of the Book City Roanoke podcast, and we really appreciate that. Uh, it's made a big difference right from the get-go. And when I t- first talked with Dolores, uh, she said yes, or her eyes lit up, and uh, it seemed like the kind of um, conversation that she wanted to have in the community. Uh, to talk talk a little bit about um, about this the kind of larger network that you're part of um, with the Southern Southern Booksellers Association. Yeah, the Southern Independent Bookseller Association uh, covers the southeast part of the United States, and it's uh, independent bookstores throughout that area, and we do work real closely with them. That's been a godsend for a new business because you can get lots of advice. It's a very open industry. Uh, It's coincidental that uh, myself and two other Radford High School graduates from the same year own bookstores in the Southeast. My friend Carrie Johnson in Florida and my friend Amy Lamb in uh, Greensboro both own bookstores. So that's kind of interesting. And uh, but all of these are people you can call on. They have um, continuing education, which is so helpful. Uh, so that's that's good to have that kind of network that uh, and it felt like an instant network you didn't have to weasel your way in or learn all these things everybody's very ingratiating like Christine that you mentioned up in Winchester and that's that's the sense that I that I've I've gotten uh, that there aren't really trade secrets uh, across the the booksellers that they're kind of supportive of each other uh, and kind of fighting a larger battle in a way. Yeah, it's very much that way because independent bookstores for a while, when the big boxes came online, Barnes & Noble and Borders, really had to readjust what they were doing. And the number of stores went down for a good while. And then, of course, uh, the big Amazon came along and sort of put them in a squeeze. And But that also opened the opportunity for local stores to really – look at themselves and decide what they wanted to be. And thus you have that community outreach and the community gathering places. Um, that's the kind of thing where we do share, uh, I guess, secrets about uh, what you can do to improve your business and how you can combat some of the uh, challenges of uh mostly price shoppers it's difficult and we do focus on how we can help you pick the right book uh you know i'm afraid nobody from amazon's gonna come and say oh you were interested in this or you just mentioned that i think we have something about that Mm -hmm. uh you kind of have to know what you're looking for on amazon and we can help you figure out what you're looking for yeah and i'm also always impressed in independent bookstore when you kind of put the question out there you start to talk to the proprietor or the person who's behind the counter uh, and then someone else pipes in there's always somebody else in the in the store looking and interested and kind of wanting to talk about books and share what they're reading do you see a lot of interaction across oh we have made some great connect connections between people we had an author visiting one day she was doing pre-work on her promotions stopped in and uh, gave us a copy of her book it was really nice comes out in the fall and Heath Lee one of our local authors was here in the store and I introduced the two of them and the new author was talking about she was making a swing through the southern states and 
just mentioned she was trying to make some inroads in Charleston, uh, South Carolina, and Lee said, well, I know such and such at the library down there, the Library Foundation, I'll hook you up. And that's the kind of connections we want to make here. We really do. People love to meet authors. So when they come in and there's a local author here, then I always try to introduce them. Even if I don't remember names, I try to make sure that the customers get to meet the people they're uh, learning about and then they're reading their works. The uh, sense of community, and that's, that's part of Book City Roanoke, or at the core of it. When I first started this in 2017, around February, and um, was kind of creating strategies, trying to think, how do we get people together and talk about the role of um, the arts and books and, uh, you know, kind of local support, and how do we do more with all that we have here? Uh, and I remember at that point thinking, well, we've got to have an independent bookstore. We've got to have one in town. And I was putting together the uh, event or called Finding Roanoke with uh, uh, Dar Williams around her book, uh, What I Found in a Thousand Towns. And uh, was saying, okay, we're going to have to pop up a bookstore. If we don't have one come the early December, we're going to have to pop one up. And that was just, and went to look at a space where they, we were going to pop one up and you had signed the lease on that space for uh, Book No Further. And I remember t- t- coming to you and saying, okay, here's, here's my plan. Uh, <laughs> if we can get people to buy the book locally, we'll give them a ticket to the final dinner. Uh, and you were, you were all on board. Uh, so I, would, I do want to say thank you for that. That was really important, that early Well, that was a wonderful opportunity for us. We had our first promotion and our first sponsorship before we had our first store. Uh, We were in the process of opening and opened midway through that project. I remember going especially to some early versions and as much to promote the store and I enjoyed, I loved the book. And it was a wonderful opportunity to see just how much books mean to people in this community. When we did that and word got out that we were opening a store, the response was just incredible. We were really pleased. Uh, Some of our well-known authors, Beth Macy's particular, uh, spread the word about it. And a lot of people came and took our survey and helped us determine what we wanted to do. And it was a wonderful way to kick off just the kind of events that we like to do. Yeah, and I love hearing you say that Roanokers love books because someone at one point said they weren't sure if that was true. And I said, no, I'm sure it's true uh, that Roanoke does have readers. Uh, and if it, and if, they, if we think it doesn't, we're going to change that. Well, there's one thing that I have noticed in talking to my colleagues as different bookstores have different kind of clientele. And what I have concluded is that we have a very well educated, open-minded clientele that want to learn things and want to read stuff. One of the things that we have done is I have a section on translated literature, literature from all over the country, or excuse me, all over the world, that people really like to read things. One of my favorite books right now uh, coming out soon is from Iceland. And uh, it's just a wonderful novel about a part of the world that I never would have read anyway. And there's, of course, universal themes in all of this. So that's the kind of thing that we try to really help people get access to. We don't necessarily, we carry bestsellers, but that's not really what we're putting. We're trying, pushing the things that are going to open people's world up. Yeah, that's, that's a terrific vision and goal. Let's talk about some of the books that you're recommending now. You've got a few here in front of you. This spring is just wonderful for um, big names and new names and 
books that I have read and have just fallen in love with it. Probably the most anticipated one is by Eric Larson. He's the uh, author of Dead Wake about the Lusitania and Devil in the White City. People know him for that. And his new book, The Splendid and the Vile, is about the year uh, before the U.S. entered World War II, focusing on Churchill and what was going on in England at the time. And when you read it, you really get this feeling the stress and the tension that the British people were under during the bombings. And, you know, we look back and see, okay, we won, but you sure didn't know that was going to happen at the time. And it brings that idea to life. Uh, Some of the, um, another nonfiction one that I like is called uh, Imperfect Union. It's about Jesse and John Fremont, who were the power couple of the 1850s. And it's really a good introduction to some unknown things that led to the Civil War. And sadly, some of the turning points that maybe we could have maybe avoided that. So this is a very interesting book. Uh, With fiction, one of the best reads I've had in a long time is called The Bear, and it is by Andrew Krivik, I think is how you say his name. And it's kind of a fantasy book about a young girl and her father living out in the woods, and they apparently are maybe the last people on earth, and it's how they survive. And then a bear comes to help the young girl, and it's kind of, is it a real bear? Is it a fantasy? Is it her mother reincarnated? It's really interesting, and it's a short read, uh, but it's got a lot, a lot of emotion and love in the book, And but it's an adventure as well. I really enjoyed that one. Great. So, Two nonfiction and a fiction. Anything else? Uh, there's another fiction book called Era Eper, a Paragon, I believe is how you pronounce it. And it is a novel based on two real characters set in the Middle East. One is a Palestinian, one is a Israeli. They both lost children in the conflict there, and they come together in a parents group. And it's really opened my eyes to the different things that those groups are facing and what they're facing together. Mm-hmm. Love that book. Yeah, that's Colm McCann. And we'll list... Links to the the books uh, at uh, linking to your to your website and your relationship with IndieBound. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll we always we always do that. Uh, so we'll always uh, add the titles from the um, from the conversation on the the website page attached to the conversation. Uh, so feel free to to, uh, to go there and uh, click on the books. Uh, better yet, come down and uh, see Dolores Best at Book No Further. Uh, have some co- book conversation. Pick up one of the books. And uh, Dolores, anything uh, else you want folks to know about um, what what it means to support a local business and to support a local bookstore? And uh, Well, the obvious thing is when you shop local, your money stays in the community. Um, it also allows us to stay in business so that we can continue to bring these ideas to you. There's a phrase that bookstores uh, use. It's called, find it here, buy it here, keep us here. That's the kind of thing that if a local bookstore doesn't exist, you don't learn about those local authors. You don't learn about that self-published author that really deserves a wide audience. So that's the kind of thing we try to offer. It's not a business to grow terribly rich, but we're very rich in friends and we're rich in knowledge and it's just really enjoyable. Well, thank you. Thank you for what you do in the community by owning and running the business. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Thanks, Doug. This has been a lot of fun. 